1: I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. We know COVID-19 can be spread by those who aren't showing any symptoms, and a single infected person can give the virus to a room full of people. So as Chicago Public Schools moves towards getting students back in the actual classrooms, the teachers' union continues to ask questions about the safety of their members and about other staff needed to keep schools running. In just a bit, we'll talk with WBEZ education reporter Sarah Carp. But first, let's get some details from Stacy Davis-Gates. She's the vice president of the Chicago Teachers Union. Stacy, welcome back to Reset.
2: Hi, how are you doing today? Good.
1: So CPS has been having uh, school clerks do in-person work. The union opposed that for safety reasons. An arbitrator recently took your side in this debate. Tell us more about what's going on here.
2: Well, we felt back in August that the decision that was made was hasty and you know, sneeze guards had not been erected, and yet um, these women were going to be registering students for classes. You know, people would come in to register. Uh, we didn't see visible signs of physical distancing. The face mask wasn't in every single you know school building, and then in some school buildings, there were people there who were either not wearing them or wearing them incorrectly, and there was very little adjustment made when those things were noticed. Further, Mm -hmm. we've gotten a little further in our understanding of this virus. We know that it's airborne. So now ventilation and filtration are two issues that we have to um, reconcile at uh, the Chicago Public Schools.
1: Yeah, and this is just an arbitrator who took your side, but CPS says, well, you know, Oh, we can do what we need to do. And so what do you do when you're at that standstill again with CTU and CPS when we're not necessarily seeing, seeing the same view the same way?
2: Well, let's say this. The arbitrator took the side of um, the students who need to be inside of our classroom, um, and the workers in the Chicago public schools and all of our families. Um, that's the side the arbitrator took. Beyond that, we decided on this arbitrator together. Like, this wasn't an arbitrator that we chose. you choose them together. And the arbitrator's decision is binding. And so we're going to move forward with implementation of the arbitrator's decision. Mm-hmm.
1: As you look at this, I mean, what what can be done? You got to get to the negotiation table to make that happen?
2: I mean, that's what we should have been doing in the first place. The only reason why the arbitrator is involved is because um, the mayor's team refuses to you know, sit with us or for parents in that way, in in, in that manner as well. Look, this is not simply a bargaining issue. And and I want to make that clear. I am a mother, too. I have three upstairs right now, you know, looking at a screen. This is a pandemic that has hit all of us. Some are suffering more than others. It is incumbent upon our mayor and our public school system to engage those who need the public school system. Look, Remote learning needs to be better. We all know that. They have to make that decision. Juxtaposed to that, we have to stop going back and forth over semantics and make our schools actually safe for a return. The pandemic is what it is right now. Since bars have been open, we've seen positivity rates creep up. Um, In communities of color, we are seeing double-digit positivity rates The Chicago Public Schools is a school system that is overwhelmingly students of color. All of these things mean we're going to need robust testing. We're Mm going to need robust contact tracing. And we're also going to have to have mitigation and communities that have been hardest hit to ensure that our students get exactly what they need to make this work. If our ultimate goal together is to make schools safe for all of our students, and the adults that work in them, then we would be working together with all stakeholders to make that happen. And we better do it now because, you know, the clock is ticking.
1: Yeah. You know, CPS and, and CTU, you guys uh, are, have been negotiating back and forth over the summertime or not negotiating, in the case that we've talked about on this program. But the move towards getting kids back into the classroom, that would happen in the month of November in Chicago. Many other school districts around the state, that's starting to happen now. When you have an overwhelming sense from parents that they're like, okay, this e-learning is insufficient, we all want to get us back to at least getting our kids back into a classroom, do you run the risk when you call out that there need to be resources and there are no resources of losing that base when parents want to see their kids getting back into the classroom?
2: Okay, so a couple of things. I want us to disaggregate what parents were talking about, because overwhelmingly, both locally and nationally, Black and Latinx parents have been very dubious of the return to a classroom. Right now we're watching New York go through closing schools again Mm -hmm. after reopening them. So I want to center this in communities of color who have been hit the hardest, who have had the least amount of resources over time, and especially in this moment, to combat this virus. So that's one. And then number two, I don't know a parent who would not want us to clarify what safety means and how we get to safe. Listen, it is important for me, for my children, to see their grandparents, my husband's parents, and my parents. And in order to do that, we have to have some safety because we're not just going to be quarantined by ourselves together. This is an issue that reverberates in our families. We just lost a member. We lost a very dedicated 30-year veteran educator, a first-grade teacher, to COVID. She had been in and out of her school, being helpful, making sure kids have what they needed in order to, like, encounter remote learning. And that woman is dead, and her job is posted right now. What does that mean for us? It means that we have to center health and safety first, but that also means that we need partners with the school district to check those boxes, not to, like, go back and forth, but to actually make Meaningful adjustments to ventilation and filtration to make our community safe for everyone who will return. Yeah.
1: When we look at the the fact that resources are needed to protect not just uh, students but uh, teachers and staff whether it's a federal government or state government or, or local governments, they're they're not able to find the cash to make sure that there is robust testing, that there is contact tracing, that there is PPE for everybody in these schools. Uh, we're starting to see that as as citizens of the state. So what do you do moving forward? I mean, what's on the table? Do you keep teachers out? Do you say, you know what, we're going to do a work stoppage or we're going to do a strike or or something of that nature? Should Chicago parents be ready for some sort of labor action if these things are not met?
2: I don't think that's the question, if I may, with all due respect. I think the question is, how does our government respond to students who need to be safe in their school communities? I think that's the question. And what are elected politicians willing to do to make us safe, right? Lack of imagination, the lack of resources put behind a full reopening to school is actually the biggest tragedy of this. It's not whether or not a union is pushing back. It is actually whether or not our mayor, our governor, members of the General Assembly, members of the city council will put this effort at the forefront. We have, what, nearly a billion dollars in tax increment financing right now. Right now. Those are funds that could be used to repair ventilation and filtration. We have those, right? We also know that opening the city back up before the pandemic is under control will cause cases to rise. And we're seeing that right now. Cases are rising. So if we want to prioritize school opening, the decisions that are being made at the mayoral level have to be connected to that desire. You can't open bars and then say, get the schools back open. You put the necessary resources to repair filtration, to make sure ventilation works, and and then you figure out how to do the other stuff. Our students deserve that. Our families deserve that.
1: Are you at all at CTU involved with CPS in any sort of day-to-day or week-to-week manner, collaborating about what we can expect from school getting back in the classroom in November?
2: Great question. You know, we have very regular discussions with uh, CPS. I won't call them bargaining. Little known fact is that the only way that Chicago Public Schools actually hears our voice is when our behavior is more aggressive. That actually needs to change, and they have to begin to see us as partners. Part two of that, there is this culture in this city that everything that happens, they get to call the shots, and they be in the fifth floor, from the city council to the school board. To basically everything in the city, the city does not have a muscle for um, democracy and the way in which I think our framers intended it to be. The city has traditionally been very dismissive of minority voice, been dismissive of voices that don't, you know, toe the party line. That being said, like, our work in this moment is less about the back and forth between CPS and cpu and making it safe for people, and getting us to a point of where this works. Because safety is only one part of this, right? We know that we will see children coming back into our school communities that have suffered tremendous tragedy, from the gun violence that's you know never-ending in our city to the impact of COVID infections and, and, and COVID deaths. And so we're going to need more. Like, we've had a deficit model for so long when it comes to um, students in the Chicago public schools that we don't even know what it looks like to actually fully fund and support them. And, and, and And I think this part here is most important, too. This whole concept that we believe that it is okay not to consider their life, their health, and their safety first, we have to disabuse ourselves of that. That is actually primary in this discussion. Chicago doesn't do a good job with that as well. We have had multiple children murdered by gun violence this summer. And so we have to pivot from deprioritizing the lives of black children and Latinx children in the city and prioritizing their health, their happiness, and their well-being. And I think CTU is on the right side of this. Yeah.
1: Chicago Teachers Union Vice President Stacey Davis-Gates. Stacey, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate hey,
2: it. Hey, I appreciate
3: you. Thank you.
1: Let's bring in WBEZ education reporter Sarah Carp. Sarah, welcome back to Reset.
3: Nice to be here.
1: So you heard the uh, vice president there. Uh, any takeaways from that interview when you when you hear that, that gives you a little bit more understanding of where we are about getting kids back in the classroom?
3: Well, I do think it's interesting that both um, Stacy Davis-Gates and the president of the teachers' union, Jesse Sharkey, this morning made it a point that they're not trying to say, hey, we're going to strike if this doesn't happen. They're really trying to Say you know this is not about whether there's going to be a labor stoppage as you know as we were coming upon last year at this time, Mm -hmm. right? But more that we really just want this to happen, that we want for people to go into these buildings and feel safe. I'm sure that the people from the school district see it in a different way. I mean, I, I think that they they feel like the teachers' union does threaten to strike every time they don't get their way. But certainly I, I see that they're really, you know, trying to center the discussion around some of these safety measures. Yeah,
1: but, but it's such a good point because this isn't about money. It's not about raises. It's not about uh, even uh, power in some way. It's about the safety of, of teachers and inevitably students. So it's hard for anybody who, who may be a Chicago parent or a Chicago citizen in any form to, to argue with the fact that, yeah, there should be safety precautions and protocols set up in the classroom.
3: Right. And now that this issue has has shifted a bit to this idea about ventilation and air filtration, I think that it it becomes sort of a a different level of an issue because it's one thing to say, can everybody has have masks? Can everybody stand six feet apart? Those are things that you can see. And that it, it seems to me like to some degree that the school district should be able to get done. I mean, they say they've they've bought like millions of masks and, you know, tons of hand sanitizer and whatnot. But those structural things like air filtration and ventilation, I would imagine are not as easy to fix. I mean, for sure that the school district is, you know, at city code. They, they've they pointed out that they, you know, the, they're meeting city codes. But also, you know, we've all been in school buildings and yeah. especially some of the old school buildings. You kind of wonder, you know, hey, doesn't seem like 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 the air is going through this as as well as it should or you know like some well, the windows
1: sp- opening and things like that right yeah, and if windows
3: open you know if you have to open window to get to get ventilation then um i mean it's 50 degrees out right now you're not going to be able to do that all the time so you're going to need something else to to help it along and can the school district afford to to make the repairs that need to be made in order to make the buildings Safe. And then, I mean, this is also a question of science that I don't even know the answer to. What is safe enough? Like, what is the level of air filtration or ventilation that is needed for a school to be safe? Does anybody really know that question, the answer to that question? I I think
1: maybe maybe that's a parental frustration, too, when you hear Stacey Davis Gates talking about, you know, this is an issue about safety and, and everyone believes in that. But, yeah, at what level are you hitting, like, the protocol? Are you hitting the, this is the level in which this, now we are safe, green light, that kind of thing, where, where it's really hard. Those are vague uh, understandings.
3: A couple weeks ago, you'll remember that the CDC put out something saying that that uh, that COVID can be spread through the air, and then they took it off their website really quickly. And, you know, there was some idea that there might be some political pressure there. But, you know, the question is, so is that true, if it can be spread through the air? Is standing six feet apart enough to make it not spread through the air? Or can it like float through the vents and then everybody get... I I mean, I don't know the answer to these questions. I don't know if anybody really knows.
1: Yeah. How's remote learning going? We're obviously paying attention to what happens in a month when we try to get students back into the classroom. But how's it been going for the first month of, of remote learning in CPS?
3: Well, what I hear is it's going way better than it went in the spring when it basically was pretty chaotic. But kids are going and teachers are going a little bit insane sitting in front of computers <laughs> for for like 7 or 8 hours at a time. That's what I hear. I mean, I hear people are saying, well, the teachers are trying super super hard, the principals are trying super super hard, the school district is, you know, really wanting things to be in place so that things work and that certainly things are going better. But that This is not the ideal situation, and there is a lot of questions about whether if remote learning does continue, do they lessen the amount of time that that students are required to be in front of the computer? I think that that's a big question, and I think that maybe school district administration is hearing some of that and might change the guidelines or do something.
1: Well, we're going to find out much, much more in the coming weeks here uh, about what the plan is for CPS to get kids back into the classroom and what CTU's plan is to make sure that it's safe. Uh, Sarah Karp is education reporter for WBEZ. And Sarah, you got to come back. And it is, if I can just say, it is great that you are in a studio across the way and <laughs> we have glass between us. Yes. But it's great to see you uh, after so many phone interviews with you in the last couple months. It's great to see you in person.
3: Yes. Hey, <laughs> nice. This is Thanks. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Bye-bye.
1: And that's today's reset for the latest, most accurate information on COVID-19 in Chicago and across the country. Tune in to 915 WBEZ or WBEZ.org. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you right back here tomorrow.